Well, hello and welcome to episode 94 of the 1099 for the week of May 29th, 2017. I am your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is a TV reporter at The Wrap and a returning guest, Carly Veloci. Carly, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I just I just had that like crystallizing moment that this is a three-day weekend. Like The entire time I've had this in my head of like, gotta go back and do work on Monday. And I also nope. yeah woke up with like a oh man, like my Sunday is also like another Saturday because I get to sleep longer and it's just the greatest feeling of all time. I'm going to sleep so much this weekend. I'm so excited. Legitimately all I have planned right now where people are like, let's go do stuff. But I was in Orlando for a week for a work conference and then I had a friend over, a high school friend who now lives in Colorado and came over to Jacksonville for a bit. And now I'm in full like, I'm going to just be a lazy slob at home and play video games and not worry about the world for a bit. Uh, And I'm so unbelievably excited for it uh last time we talked which is actually a while ago it's it's, as i said episode 94 i'm like man this podcast been going on for a while uh (laughs) we covered a lot about the current freelance landscape we were kind of you know taking uh like looking at the entire how it's going out there because i have not been a freelancer in a bit because i have a full-time job and then some other contract stuff and also talked a bit about how you weren't a massive quote unquote gamer when you got into games coverage um, but now you're full-time at The Wrap doing TV coverage. First off, congrats. It's hard to get full-time work writing, so that's awesome. Thank, um, thank you. <laughs> and second, how did this job come about? Like You mentioned off-air that you had already kind of moved to California, and then this happened. Was was the plan to move west and just keep looking for writing work and cross your fingers and hope it happened, or did you already kind of have some leads? Yeah, I didn't really have any leads. I was just kind of like – I was in Boston for eight years, and – writing opportunities over there are pretty non-existent. So I was like, I need to go to a city with actual writing stuff because for some reason, no places, like there are very few places that will allow you to work full-time remote. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why this is still a thing, but that's another <laughs> that's, a, that's another topic. But anyway, so I moved out to Los Angeles because it was either like that or New York, and I hate New York. Yep. So I just went out to L.A., with like freelance stuff. So I didn't really need to look for a job right away. And then like, I saw like there was a posting for a job at the wrap and I know some people who work there. Um, and things just kind of like fell into place really nicely. Cause somebody like left. So they had an opening and I started really quickly. So it was all like, just really nice. Like, okay, finally I have a, I have a, I have a job. I don't have to worry about the freelance, uh, grind anymore. Was it kind of terrifying when you first moved to California without like definite full-time work? Cause like you mentioned, you had the freelance stuff that you were working on, but you know, as everyone knows, it's way more expensive in a lot of parts over there. You might be able to get lucky and find kind of a, a developing area where it's not every, you know, a gallon of milk is not $14 or something crazy like that. <laughs> but was it kind of a, a little bit of a, not a hail Mary, but like, a, all right, I really hope this works out, but I'm not entirely sure if it will yet kind of moment. I mean, so when I moved out here, I had, like, a steady contract gig, so I was like, okay, I got, like, basic money going right now. I can afford rent, and honestly, like, Los Angeles is expensive, but I was paying more for rent in Boston than I am here. Wow, really? Yeah, so, I mean, it depends on where you live in Los Angeles, like, I mean, just like any city, some areas are more expensive than others, but I live in the Valley, which is, like, sort of outside the general like Los Angeles area, so it's way cheaper. Yeah. Um, so like I w- when I moved out here, I was paying like maybe a little over seven hundred a month for rent, which is w- really yeah. 
that's insane. I, I, know, I know. Like, anybody who doesn't live in a city is like, that's a lot. But I'm like, no, that's – like, in Boston, I was paying like nine fifty a month for rent. I live in Jacksonville and I pay more than you pay in LA. So, yeah, that's bonkers. Yeah. yeah so, I, it wasn't too difficult um, or at least it wasn't as stressful. But then I got – laid off slash fired slash I don't I still don't know what happened and then it became really stressful um yeah. but that's like you know you just have to pick up like as I picked up another contract gig pretty quickly so it wasn't it wasn't stressful for long but then I was like looking at the state of things and I was like I really need you know health insurance <laughs> that isn't yeah. you know really that it doesn't take up like most of my pay my pay every month so yeah, that's when the uh, the the search sort of started. At, at what point, when I was freelancing early on, I remember when I wasn't making very much money from it, it kind of felt more like I'm sharpening my skills, hoping to get better and better and keep moving up and get to more major sites, like hit an IGN or a GameSpot or a Polygon or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when I started to write for those sites, after like a year or two, I definitely got to the point where I'm like, all right, like my name's been out there long enough. I've put in the work. I'm really ready and I feel like deserve isn't the right word, but I'm at the caliber where I should be, I want to be a full-time writer somewhere. Like I'm ready to kind of graduate to that. Did you have kind of a similar path? Like, was there a point where you were like, I enjoy freelancing to a certain extent, but I've put in all this work. I know what I'm capable of. Like I'm ready to do something full-time. Or were you always kind of searching for full-time work? I mean, it's weird. Cause I really like a lot of free, like the freelance lifestyle. Like I like, you know, getting up when I want to and writing when I want to and what I want to. Um, and working from home is nice. Um, but I, I guess it was just, I was, I missed the stability of being in a job, like a real job. And yeah. so, like, there was a point where I was like, okay, I've been freelancing for a while. I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, and I was like, I, I was getting really good even at like just pitching you know, random outlets that I didn't, you know, I'd never written for before, or I was becoming very bold. Um, So I was getting jealous of people around me that were like, oh, I have this, like, you know, staff writing gig. And I was like, I want to be a staff writer somewhere. <laughs> I want I want that on my resume. Um, So, it, yeah, there is a lot of that, like, yeah, after a while, you're like, okay, I do want to get back, like, start moving ahead in my career a bit, even though, like, being a staff writer somewhere and being freelance aren't comparable at all, but <laughs> yeah, they're definitely it feels not. That and way. There's also like this, you do have benefits if you're a staff writer, a full timer at mm-hmm. an outlet. Like when you're a freelancer, you get, you know, not that it's all about the recognition. It's not, but you know, it's harder to kind of build your hashtag brand when you're not consistently in the face of this like major corporation. Like if you're a, I was a freelancer at GameSpot for like two, three years. When you do that compared to when you're on the podcast, when you're on the videos, when you're on the regular content and people can recognize you, then it's also easy to get future work because people know who you are. When you're a freelancer, you kind of don't get that same exposure to the audience you kind of just have a one-off and it's hard for people to get attached to your writing or get attached to your name sometimes when you're not consistently writing for the same outlet uh for you you did mention that you liked some of that freelance lifestyle and i'm the same way there was a certain hustle to it that uh i really appreciate it keeps you on your toes in a unique way sometimes in a very (laughs) scary way uh but what's been the most difficult part about breaking out of some of your freelance habits like do you still do you at all struggle to find the same level of motivation since you're not trying to constantly 
you know, reach out to people and break new ground in order to maybe get money for the next, you know, rent or something like that? Like, is there, do you have to kind of self-motivate in a new way now that you're full-time? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, there's still definitely a hustle because when you're in journalism, there's always sort of a hustle. Um, and that depends on kind of what your beat is, obviously, and what you like doing. But there are people at my job who, you know, are always chasing, you know, the next big breaking news exclusive. And I'm always trying to like, my, my what I love doing is I love doing like criticism and features and like interviews and stuff. So I'm always chasing like interviews and people to talk to and like angles and stuff. So it's a little different, but there's still a lot of what I was doing when I was a freelancer, when I was like, okay, so here's this like thing that's going on in the world right now. What's my unique angle on it? And can I turn it into a piece? The only difference is that like my ability to turn, you know, a, a current events situation into a hot take isn't as uh, dire. I'm not <laughs> like, it's not going to be the difference between me, you know, being able to afford my health insurance and my student loans every month. And you know, not like I can, I'm going to no matter what now, it's just a matter of like, well, now I want to do it for other reasons. Yeah. I want to do it, you know, to impress my bosses. I want to do it to, you know, make the site I work for better. I want to do it because I do want to like get my name out there, you know, for the future and for career stuff. So it, there's a lot of overlap. I think it's not too different. The only difference is that like, I'm not going to starve. <laughs> well, that's good. That's a good yeah. difference. I, yeah. I mean, is waking up and having to go to an office now kind of its own form of motivation in terms of I, so I work from home four days a week, go to the office one day a week. And I, you know, you, you try to mentally set, well, you also set a physical alarm, but you also try to like make sure like, all right, I'm going to wake up at seven or six or whenever. I'm going to take a shower, take the dog out, make breakfast, get ready, maybe work out before. But so often now, because I work from home, it's like, it's like eight o'clock. I roll out of bed. And I'm like, I'll take the dog out. I can take a shower later. And it's harder to kind of kickstart yourself if you're not, you know, forced to. But for you now, where you have to be in an office around other humans, which God, that thought is freaking me out right now. Um, <laughs> is that its own form of motivation in a different way? It is. I mean, for me, I'm always like, as long as I get my work done, it doesn't matter what time I get up. And I'm a, t I'm not a morning person at all. So any chance to sleep in for me is you know, amazing. And I always savor it. Um, but of course now I have to work. I have to get up at a normal, a normalish time and get into the office. And it's, it's, it's hard because again, I'm not a morning person and yeah. getting up for me is just like, I'm like, no, I don't want to move. And no, the bed is good. I can work from bed. It's fine. As I used to do a lot, but it's, I always work better a lot of times when I'm around other people. So when I was working from home, my routine often like surrounded like, okay, working from home in the morning, showering, getting lunch, and then going somewhere else to do a lot of other work. So I'd mm -hmm. go to like a library, I would go to a cafe, you know. Um, so I think like having an office is nice because it does keep me on a schedule and I'm really bad at keeping my own schedule. So like that, that's one of my weaknesses. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'll get it done eventually. Yep. And I'll work till like 11 at night to get it done. That's fine. But now we have an office. So like, okay, I have to get to the office and then I'm in the office. So I have to do work when I'm in the office and there's people basically not watching me, but I, when you work around other people, you always kind of feel like they're watching you. 
Yeah, um, you feel like you can't get away with normal things. Like there's like exactly. little things where you're like, oh, normally maybe during this random day where I'm at home, I would watch this stupid YouTube video that I want to see. But now you can't really do that in the office. You need to actually be kind of not 24-7 working, but at least appearing that you're working. Yeah, exactly. I mean, granted, I, I write about TV, so I'm often watching TV mm. um, on my computer um, at work. So it's a little di- it's a little different, but it's still like, oh, well, my boss is right over there. I got to actually like, get something get something done today or like prove I was working today. Um, And I, there's a part of that I like because yeah, again, I am, you know, it gets me out of bed, which I don't do. Yeah. And the working from bed thing is something that I do way too often, but I'm starting to think like, man, maybe I should really just be like, Josiah, you have to work from the desk. Like you're going to randomly nap. You're going to do like, again, you're going to sit in this bed and be like, Oh, I don't feel like working. Let's go down this YouTube rabbit hole that ends with these bizarre chiropractic videos and what am I doing again and then suddenly you don't miss a deadline but like you said you're working till 11 because you're an idiot before like I do that too often because of like the nature of working from home and yeah the uh, whole office thing even though there's a lot of you know you you get to become friends with your coworkers, and there's office chatter and it actually takes you away from your work so maybe you might get more done at home but it's just an entirely different world and i'm terrified to ever have to go back into an office again uh <laughs> do you have an exclusive deal with the rap where you can't write for anyone else or are you kind of allowed to do maybe because you're writing about tv right now all the time are could you somehow freelance about game still on the side or did you sign some sort of contract i mean i signed a contract i have never specifically asked if i can write about other subjects but i assume it's a you know exclusive deal because that's what it is a lot of the time um Mm -hmm. even when i was working for like the boston globe and i was working part-time there it was still like well if you can write something for us write it for us you know um so i i I haven't tried to like see like look at my contract and be like oh can i write for something else but not because also i don't really have time um yeah I, I write full I write full time and then like when I go home I don't want either A don't want to do anything because I'm exhausted or B I have to, you know, watch stuff I have to watch. Um so you know, I'm either working all the time or I'm like taking some time to actually like rest. Yeah, it's probably a good call. I I remember when I first started I was similar to you in terms of like I don't want to write at all when I get home, but also what you're doing right now like so my full-time job I, totally appreciate great they're awesome people but like it's not a passion so what i had to do eventually was find that contract work to fulfill that certain role that was missing where i'm like i really want to write about games in some capacity and i need that outside of this for you with the rap i mean we talked about this a little bit off air has it almost been liberating to not write about video games anymore because like let's be honest if you're a woman who hasn't played every single game that people love or maybe we can make that simpler. If you're a woman who hasn't who covers games, you're mm-hmm. often a target online for assholes, for people who just immediately go at you for no actual reason. They try to find reasons to poke holes in an argument just because you're a woman. So has TV and just anything else you've covered at the rap been a nice escape? Or are you still running into similar breeds of people? I mean, those people are always around because like the moment you write about anything, any progressive topic... They come out of the yeah. woodwork and you're like, oh, they're like, oh, you special snowflake, you know, all that. How would you stuff. just remove that word from everyone's lexicon? It's like, it's, so, it's, 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 it's such stupid. a stupid fucking word. Like, I've never actually seen someone who's just snowflake and be like, oh, this person seems reasonable and nice. Like, I would like to hang out with this person. It's just awful. Sorry, I keep going. No, Quick it's rant. okay. But yeah, so like those people are always around. The difference is I don't, I haven't gotten a single 
threatening email about my work at the rap since I started there while I'm still getting emails because I gave a game of five out of 10 one time, yeah, like last year. So it's a lot better in that regard. And it's nice to not have to write about video games all the time because video games are exhausting for more reasons besides, you know, game gamers, a certain group of gamers coming out of the war work to, throw criticism at you for no reason whatsoever. Um, I do that stuff. There's some of that stuff that still kind of gets over into what I do because it's, I write about TV, but I also write about like general entertainment stuff. So there's a lot of like, you know, people that sort of cross over, which is annoying. Um, But it's, those are, and you know, you still have to worry about like all the stuff that's going on in the world right now. That has to do with Trump, which then has to do with, you know. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. yeah. It's... So it's exhausting no matter what, but it's nice to have not have to worry about what's going on in the games industry. Because while I love games and the games industry and, like, a lot of the people that work in the games industry, like, I still read, you know, all the sites when I can. And I miss writing about games sometimes. It's a lot less stressful and it's a lot less... Like having to work, not having to worry about stupid games controversies. God, they just, it's never ending. And again, like I'm a straight white dude. I, I have it a lot easier in so many ways being in this industry, but there, it, there is this certain level of just exhaustion that happens just from being around it and reading every new controversy where it's like, oh, why is this even a thing that we're worried about right now? And you just get in this long spiral of, oh, like this entire industry needs to mature rapidly. And I get it that it's still young and it takes time for this stuff to happen. But I mean, even your your industry with TV has to feel, does it feel more mature? Like, does it feel like a little bit more like adults <laughs> talking about adults things sometimes? Oh, not at all. Really? <laughs> not at all. It's just different kinds of people. And the thing is, is like, you know, not everyone plays games, but pretty much everyone watches TV. So, and so you don't really get people being like, oh, you haven't watched this TV thing? You're such a casual and you're a fake TV or whatever the the line of thought is there. Um, I mean, there are obviously some TV shows I've missed that my coworkers are like, oh my God, how dare you not seen The Wire? But... Yeah. Oh, neither have I. Yeah, no, it's bad. I'm, I'm, it's bad. Yeah, that, that I that's one of those, like, I'm a bad person for not seeing that. Shows. Exactly. But I don't get death threats because of it. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a positive development in life. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, like there are some nasty comments on the site sometimes. Like I wrote a piece a little bit ago that was comparing Agents of Shields, uh, Agents of Hydra storyline with the Secret Empire stuff that's been going on in the Marvel Comics world right now. Mm-hmm. And I did get some comments that were like, you know, the you know, the the typical like OSJW whatever. Yeah, I, don't, I would, I don't I would even... assume the comic kind of crowd might be, be sort of a cross-section of the gaming crowd in a certain way that kind of intersperses. Yeah, and then, like, you always... And then, like, Secret Empire is its whole other thing. But yeah. it still wasn't that big of a deal. And the fact that I have a full-time job and can... Like, I have the money. I have the the benefits. I can step away from this for a while. Yeah. Are you able to enjoy games in a new way because you're not constantly trying to think of different angles for coverage or reviewing them or anything like that? Did covering games to a certain extent kind of take the joy out of it? Because I know after I stopped reviewing them, 
Um, I was a, I, I almost took a break for a bit. I still played things, but I just kind of toned it down a bit. And now recently I've had more fun just playing them and, you know, still writing stupid tweets about them and talk about them in certain ways. But when you don't have a deadline, you enjoy them maybe in a way that made you initially love video games. Yeah, it's weird because I don't know how to play games currently. <laughs> All right. Because um, I'm like, I played like the last, I've been playing a lot of Overwatch lately and mm-hmm. haven't really played a lot of games. I've been playing like some Skyrim. Um, but for the most part, I haven't really been playing a lot of games because like I go into the game and then I'm like, wait, I don't have a goal here. Yep. I had the <laughs> exact I, like, same issue for so long. <laughs> So I'm just like, uh, what do I do? So I'll, I'll probably like get out of that eventually. The moment it takes I sit, a bit. yeah, but it's go- I know it's going to take a bit because I'm still like I was playing Night in the Woods like around the time I got my new job, and I was still like I had like three article ideas in my head. I'm like, no, no, Carly, you can't, you can't pitch any of these. It's so strange. It sounds so shitty for me to say out loud that like when you get paid to write about games and then suddenly stop, you're like, wait, why am I doing this unless I'm getting paid? Because you have that freelancer mentality of like every game is a new opportunity for new content. And I did the exact same thing with like Overwatch was something where it's like I could turn my brain off with friends and play this or I like sports games. I could do that and just like go on and not worry about a story or progression or anything like that. Because when you start worrying about like a Skyrim or anything like that, putting that much time in it, you're hoping for some sort of odd external reward outside of it but no that definitely it it took me a bit to get back to a point and maybe i'm lying slightly because i also talk about games i play on podcasts so there's also this Mm -hmm. in the back of my mind other objective i'm doing but it's it it, it took me a bit um do you think if you would have stuck in traditional games coverage just kept hammering away as a freelancer was your hope to eventually land a full-time job or is tv just better for you because the industry has changed. Like you need to, if you work at a GameSpot or IGN, be great on video. Maybe have some sort of editing skills. Have a like a, a voice for podcasts and stuff like that. There's a lot mm-hmm. that's being asked of you that way. Would you have wanted to do that, or do you think this was just a much more ideal result for you? I mean, what I would love to do is to be an editor somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, oh, maybe I can edit on a game site that sounds fun like do like i don't don't know like i didn't have like a set you know a really strict goal or a concrete goal but i'm like yeah i'd love to be an editor at a site somewhere um and i can do a lot of that stuff like the other stuff like i do know basic video editing i know you know general writing editing i can write i can do like web stuff because i knew i knew going into journalism in general not even just games journalism that if i knew other stuff I was going to be better off. Yeah. So when I was in college and college taught me basically nothing about journalism, um, <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm going to teach myself some coding. I'm going to, you know, get jobs doing, you know, web production at newspapers instead of doing like just general, you know, like, uh, like just print writing or feature mm. writing or anything like that. So like I knew going in, they're like, okay, I need to know how to do more stuff. So I took video ed- video classes in college. I took, you know, you know, I was I was just experimenting all these kinds of things. And so I knew going in that like I would need to know more. And that helped me quite a bit actually because I went into just journalism in general having a lot of different kinds of interests. Yeah. And like games, I love writing about games, but I still also loved writing about TV. I also still loved writing about movies and books and 
general nerd stuff and also sometimes, you know, tech stuff or, you know, just anything that caught my interest. So I was, I was very flexible in, you know, at the start. Um, I'm not sure what, what this has to do with your original question, but <laughs> I think it does. Yes. Yeah, so I guess like I have a, you know, strict beat right now. I write about TV and that's really nice because it is one of the things I like doing. Um, but I do kind of miss like just being like, I want to write about a book today. I want to yeah. write about a video game today. Like the fun thing about being like a general freelancer was that I can like just dabble in a lot of different things. And be like, I want to pitch a thing on this today, and I'm gonna yeah. do that. Um, but I don't know. There's I for now, I like having a strict beat. Um, and I would one day like to still be an an editor somewhere. That's still like my goal. And then I'll probably I know I'll get there and I'll get tired of it, and then I'll probably go back to freelancing. But <laughs> <laughs> just keep bouncing all over the place. No, I know uh, hundred. I know a hundred percent. That's like like when I'm like forty. I'm not going to still be on the same career tra- trajectory. <laughs> you never know. Maybe you'll just be like super into being an editor. You have no idea. I mean, yeah, like you never know, but. Does the rap allow you to just be a writer and not worry about podcasting, video, being on camera, anything like that? Is is that mostly a games industry thing where you have to kind of be this renaissance person who knows a little bit of everything? Like, are you allowed to just on a week to week basis be like, hey, just write. We're not worried about you know putting you on every other form of media that we provide. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on what outlet you work for. Um, games, I think, is very much uh, you need to know a lot of different things because games, more than any of the other uh, you know art forms we can write about, is something that lives on the internet and something that lives in technology. And so like when you have like a whole subsect of your industry, that's, you know, let's plays and video reviews and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's definitely more pressure to learn more like different kinds of things like podcasting and being on camera and streaming and all that stuff. Um, it's a little different in, you know, movies and TV because movies and TV have existed in print for so much longer, um, and don't really, like, don't need, like, you can't really do, like, a let's watch of a TV show. <laughs> Are you sure? I think people, that might be a new thing you could start. I mean, you you can do, like, riff tracks, you know, riff tracks, like, Mr. Science Theater 3000 style watching of, yeah, the, yeah. of a, of a movie, but, I mean, it's not, it's not, like, a whole competitive space like it is in video games like video games it's like you know have mo- a lot of fans get their like do i play this game they get it from let's players or video reviewers or you know influencers as they put it god i hate that term yeah you're right i, I was looking I at a too. powerpoint deck the other day that had the word influencer on it and i'm like like this yeah. shouldn't be a word we, yes. I, I, snowflake is worse but not that <laughs> far below it let's also remove influencer yeah. Um, but like I saw a Twitter poll the, uh, the other day. I can't remember whose feed it was on, but someone was just like, Oh, like, do you trust, uh, game journalists or do you trust influencers? And most people said influencers, which is just like, you know, a general catch all term for anybody who's not a games journalist. Which, which <laughs> is so bizarre. And that's an entirely like, we could talk like an hour just on that alone because, yeah. you know, I'm not saying journalists are perfect. I'm not saying influencers are all bad, but they're, you know, a lot of, 
influencers quote unquote are actually like it's it's paid coverage like very often that is there there's actually money exchanging hands for that not in some weird seedy way but in like a, almost a we're going to act as some sort of advertiser way with the really big ones so to say that like i trust those people more it's like eh, i don't know if yeah. you should yeah i mean that's a that's a whole other problem that's from people not really knowing how this industry works which is why like basically every chance i get i go to people and go no like this is like you're wrong about this thing about journalism i'm gonna tell you why and because people don't really know how this all works. And I get that because, I mean, they don't work in it. Yeah. So so it's not like they have to know. But, like, when they make, you know, assumptions about people online, you know, about or about industries, I'm like, no, actually, you're pretty wrong about how this all works and how, like, when it's like when people complain about, like, paywalls on news websites. I'm like, yeah, but how are they supposed to make money? <laughs> No, totally. Then, like, yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it stems from just ignorance about it, of just not understanding how any of that works. I mean, even me, someone who, like, I've written about video games for a long time, and now work in kind of a community management PR editor role for a studio. Like, the the world of influencers still confuse me because I don't know. Like, I don't exactly know which videos are which youtubers do need some sort of payment to play a game which don't what happens organically what doesn't happen organically like a lot of that entire space with with twitch and youtube is still so foreign to me and i feel like as a 25 year old person i should probably know but like it's 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 hard to know that kind of stuff it's still adapting it's still building and uh, the, the just the idea of being kind of this this maverick this like you know master of all things when you're in games it's it's crazy how um, I was. I think I've mentioned this before on this podcast. I was like in the running for a like full time job at one of like the major you know f- five sites yeah. for games coverage. And you know, I the first questions I got were, you know, uh, how are you on video? How are you feel in front of a camera? How are you on this and this? And like, I feel like twenty minutes into the interview is the first time that writing was brought up. Uh, and like, it was just this kind of weird realization of like, oh, you know, things have changed. Like games coverage has changed to a point where, you know, I, when I was in high school or college and wanting to do this, all I thought about was how, you know, make sure I can write better, make sure I can write good before I can get on these good sites. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's an entirely different world now. Uh, have you, while you've been working on TV, have you learned anything new? Have you had to change your style? at all to adapt to this industry like have you learned anything from editors have they said like oh that's not going to work in this style of industry even though it worked in games coverage before or has it kind of been an easy easier transition for you than that i mean it's been tough because the the job i took is just like a general tv writer so i like my my job isn't exclusively to write you know like features or criticism or whatever doing reporting and it's a lot more intense than it is in games where, like, if, an, if, like, oh, Bioware announces new IP or whatever, like, that's huge news. But, like, something like that will happen every day yeah. in entertainment. So you need to have, like, a whole ton of press contacts. You need to know who to contact at, like, every studio, at every network, at every you know, streaming service. You need to know, like, you need to know all that kind of, like, insider baseball stuff. And that was tough because I'm not a very aggressive person mm-hmm. when it, especially when it comes to like new stuff. I'm not like the kind of person that'll like stick my microphone in your face and like throw questions at you. And I'm still not like that, but I'm also, <laughs> I've still found like a good medium where I have to be more comfortable with just calling somebody up and being like, 
hey, so your client said this thing. Just is there any comment on that? How do you yeah. feel about that? Want to talk about it? Want to give me a quote? Like, yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of be a little more in your face in that way. Did you have to like kind of restart everything with all of your contacts? Because all of your contacts before were probably gaming contacts, and I oh yeah, TV. So like, how difficult was it to just suddenly be like, hi, I now need to make some sort of relationship with an entirely new group of people? Yeah, I mean that was the hard part, and that was one of the reasons why I was like, I was like, oh, I don't want to like leave games because all my contacts are here and. It's where I build all my relationships, so it's going to be weird, and it's going to be really hard, and it is, um, <laughs> but I, it's also a lot easier to just build relationships than I thought. Like, I found that, like, you know, a lot of, for example, this is just, like, based up, but if you, had, if you know where to look, you can find basically everybody's email and contact info. So it's just mm -hmm. a matter of being like, hi, I'm a new person at this publication, and... You know, I covered this stuff and it's really nice to actually meet you and, you know, actually like you have to formally introduce yourself, but then they know you and it's fine. And, you know, it starts from there. So it's been a definitely a lot quicker of a process of building relationships and contacts than it was in games because games, like I said, is not as like, oh, I got to break this news first, ah, like kind of then yeah. as it is then like, oh, like. I'm not in movie reporting, but, you know, when my coworkers are like, oh, we need to find, like, oh, Tom Hardy was cast in the new Venom, you know, like, we, we need to get on that, like, ASAP in the next five minutes. Um, it's hard, and you, re you definitely, like, you understand that pressure, but you understand it really quickly. And it's a lot different from freelancing, because with freelancing, you don't, like, unless you have, like, a contract gig somewhere, you're not really supposed to do like breaking news stuff yeah i mean like i guess in certain industries you would but most of the time no so it's been a transition in that regard but it hasn't been as hard as i thought it would be um i found that like just being in journalism in general has brought out a more sociable side of myself than i knew existed mm -hmm. like because i can like fake being really comfortable around pr people <laughs> faking that comfort is actually a super useful skill it is the most useful skill because i always act like i know what i'm doing and then like you know you're drinking with someone later and you're just like i have no idea what i'm doing and they go me neither <laughs> and then you bond over the fact that you're both socially awkward people who have no idea what they're doing and it's that's wonderful. kind of that's kind of all journalism that's kind of all relationships i think in that way where you're like you try to act like oh, i i have my shit together and then as soon as you're out of the business situation you're like oh by the way i don't entirely but we'll make it work well you, you it's, it's the fake it till you make it kind of thing if i go into any situation thinking that everyone is just as awkward as i am which isn't exactly <laughs> true but if i think that way it makes it a lot easier for me to be like Hi, I'm Carly. I work for The Wrap. How are you doing? Like, actually trying to make small talk, yeah. which I never did before. <laughs> I remember E3 2013, 2013 or 2014 going to, like, getting really randomly invited to Michael Packer's party, which I, I know I've said in this podcast multiple times, but, <laughs> like, walking around that party and going around all these people who are way more successful than me, like, the hardest thing was just, like, all right, don't go up and just be this awkward fan who's like, oh my God, I can't believe, and start like spouting in front of them. You got to at least pretend that you're on a similar level than them. Otherwise, you're going to look like a moron. Yeah. And like, that's the hardest part, especially early on when you don't entirely know. Like, I know I like, I think I belong kind of syndrome that takes a while to get over. Uh, do you review TV shows? 
Um, we don't do like typical reviews, but I do like if I if a if the need strikes me or if I like find a really interesting angle about a certain show, I'll write about it. So because you're building all of these brand new contacts for the first time and maybe asking not favors, but like, hey, I need some sort of materials for this or need some sort of stuff for that. Is it weird when you're also in any sort of way talking critically about a TV show that someone made who you just recently made a connection with? Because, of course, you're, <laughs> you're saying your opinion. You're not trying to hold back. You're not doing favors for people and giving them positive coverage. Duh, that's not happening. But <laughs> is it also kind of a weird fear of like, I just introduced myself to this person. If I write something slightly scathing about it, I might immediately lose that contact or because you write for an outlet as big as The Wrap, you're not overly worried about it. I mean, it's a little both. Um, you're always worried that, like, you're going to ruin a new relationship by saying that whatever they're pitching is garbage. Have you um, got an angry email yet? I haven't, which is oh. – I'm, I'm really lucky in that regard yeah. because I know people who – in my industry who have gotten really angry emails. Um, but here, here's an example. So I – I one of the first, like, big uh, – like entertainment-ish things I did was when I was a freelancer and I was tasked to go to the passenger screening and like press junket and all that stuff. Mm. Um, and it was like, you know, you know, passengers, it's Sony, it's got Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence and it's a big movie. And after the fact, they asked me like, Oh, what'd you think of the movie? And I tried to word as nicely as possible, like saying like your movie's garbage. <laughs> um, and I thought that was just basically going to ruin it for me. But then once basically everyone had the exact same opinion as me, it evened out quite a bit yeah. and didn't really matter. Um, so I find that like you can have like there's definitely a fear that you're going to have some space like criticism of this thing and it's going to ruin your relationship. But you also have to remember that there's probably somebody on the Internet who has the exact same opinion as you. So it's not going to – so, like, any anything that the publicist can say to you is on them. It's not on you. It's super weird being – especially when you're, when you're reviewing video games and you hit you – know, your review goes up right when the embargo goes up. You just have no idea where your opinion is going to lie. And, of course, your opinion is your opinion. You shouldn't worry about, oh, am I going to be an outlier? Because being an outlier is just fine. Like, if you yeah. love something, people hate it, that's fine. You know, vice versa. It's totally fine. But I do remember early on when – I wasn't, I don't even think I was getting paid. If uh, anything, I was getting paid very little for reviews. I would hit one of my first embargoes and um, mine was like a four out of 10 and everyone else was close to like seven and eight at the start, a couple mm -hmm. nines. And I got an immediate email from the developer just laying into my review, uh, just completely saying like, look at everyone else. You're entirely wrong. And it was just like when you're a 16 year old kid trying to write and, you know, make a name for yourself and you see that you're like, Oh, I'm the worst ever. This is terrible. Um, and then right after, but similar to you, other bad reviews started to come in. I'm like, ah, take that. I'm not the only one. But like, it, it is very strange because you want, to, you, you want to just lean into this is what I think. Who cares what anyone else thinks? But it's also weird when you just don't know what the other response is going to be. And you might be the person who says, this is a work of art. And everyone's like, this is hot dog shit. What are you talking about? Like, it's weird being on one of the spectrum or the other. Yeah, but I'd rather be on the spectrum of I thought it was trash and everyone else thought it was good than to be happy yes. the one person who's like, oh, I thought it was great. And everyone's like, uh, no, you're wrong. It's actually 100. Really I would much rather be the opinion that's like, I don't think this is very good, like you said, or like, I think this, I don't know, this random game that is actually little, tr little trash is great. Like, yeah, I would much rather be on the other side. Yeah, like, I'm gonna, I reviewed a game, which I will not name here. 
Um, and I gave it a, a pretty poor review. And I didn't get an angry email from the developers or the publishers or anything, but they were really passive aggressive about it and basically put my, un my unfavorable review in a commercial they did. As like a really, I like, think I know what this is. Yeah, but, but I won't say it either. Yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna say, but they, it was like them being like, "Oh, look, look, it's not just like it's not like your mama's game. Like it's edgy. It's not for everyone." Like, and I'm like, like I'm like, that's even worse. Yeah. Than just getting an angry email from somebody being like, "Oh, you didn't get it" or whatever. So I've that's been so in, petty. It's re exactly. It's really petty, and it basically just made me like a larger target for harassment. Yeah. than it would have been before. So it was basically in every situation I've ever been in where I gave an unfavorable, you know, opinion on something, it's never been my fault. It's always like if the publicist or the, you know, whatever studio made it gets in your face about it, that's their, that's on them, that's not on you because you're doing yeah. your job and nobody can really fault you for doing your job, which is basically just to, not be their PR person, which, you know, I understand some people forget, but you are not PR, you are a journalist a or a writer or a critic or <laughs> some anything. Some people get paid to do this, forget. But yeah, no, nah, it's, it, it, I am thankful to have reviewed games for as long as I did because when, you know, my name was attached to it, the first game, like the first game I read my name attached to and like some of the reviews came out, you know, of course it's, it's both ends of the spectrum. There's a lot of high ones, a lot of low ones. And if I wouldn't have kind of already had the understanding of how review writing works, I think my, it's hard to not have that immediate gut reaction to a low score of something you've put so much of yourself into. Mm -hmm. And I do get that now from the other side, but also I would like to think as someone who's done this so long, you understand like, it's okay to like, if that's their opinion on it. And like, I see, I value what they say. And that's one of the hardest things to actually say out loud. But I, I think a lot of those angry emails, or angry responses are first off, people need to like literally just step away from their phone or their computer for a bit after they see a bad review of their game or their movie or their TV show. Um, mm -hmm. But also it's people just not understanding how reviews work. And it's definitely helpful kind of being on both sides. Yeah, exactly. To understand exactly what that's like. Uh, how different, do you see TV coverage at somewhere like The Wrap, where your title actually is TV reporter, versus kind of what GameSpot and Polygon are doing now, where they're kind of leveraging some of their game writers. Sometimes they hire entertainment reporters, but a lot of it is their games writers doing some sort of part-time TV stuff, mm -hmm. where they're doing news, they're doing shows, they're, they're covering, it's usually some sort of broad umbrella of sporadic geek culture and TV and stuff like that. And I'm not trying mm -hmm. to shit on those outlets, um, but is it, how different has it been seeing that sort of coverage and now writing full-time at a TV place and actually being around other writers who are doing full-time TV coverage and not worried about doing any sort of other media? See, it's it's interesting. That's like a whole other conversation. But in general, I feel like the problem with a lot of game sites is that, you know, games is such a, you know, you can only, you can only write so much about games, you know, yeah, in order to be profitable. And... So I get a lot of the sites that are like, okay, we have to also write about TV and geek culture and movies or whatever. Um, I like 100% understand that because you need to be successful and you need to make money. Um, and that's always the most important thing at the end of the day is can your website keep you employed and keep you eating? Um, mm -hmm. the, di the, pr the difference, though, is that um, 
I also found on the other side of the spectrum that, like, the rap, you know, we write about TV, but we write about movies, we write about general entertainment, we write about, you know, cable, like, what's going on in Fox News, we write about cable news, you know, anything that basically falls within the re- a really general wheelhouse. Yeah. And, but I've also seen, like, places that strictly write about TV, and they don't, you know, they have the same issues that game sites that just write about games have. So it's not really any different on both sides of, you know, the spectrum there. Like, that you you can have sites that, like, just write about books or just write about TV. But if you want to be, like, a giant site, you need to, like, and you need, when you, you want to make money, you got to, like, spread out a bit. Um, but that's hard on writers because trying to jump from, like, writing about games to writing about TV is exhausting. Because it's an entirely different mindset. It's, you know, I write about TV and now I don't really pay as much attention to games anymore because paying attention to what's going on in TV takes up all my time. And the same goes for basically every other industry. So to write about multiple kinds of industries is hard because you gotta, you gotta be like, okay, one day I'm writing about like Mass Effect. And then all of a sudden I have to realize that like, oh, like, Marvels and Humans is premiering in September. What's that about? <laughs> you, know, you know, so it's like you're you paying attention to one like certain beat is helpful because you don't have to keep jumping around and it's not super stressful. And you don't feel like you're missing something. So it's nice to not have to worry about other things, even though I do sort of have to worry about other things, but just not on a very like strict level. And I feel a little bad for people who like. I write about games, but sometimes I have to write about TV and movies and stuff because, yeah, then you're just, like, shuffling around, jumping around all over the place, and it can, it can become very overwhelming. Yeah, I think that's it's it's too much in my mind, and it, I think you have to balance it in the right way where you look like – and I know I reference Giant Bomb maybe too much, but you look at Giant Bomb where they start talking about – wrestling or i don't know die hard or some other things they like it feels very genuine to what they're doing and it's a personality fueled site so you're interested in what these people like and mm-hmm. it's not here's our tv branch it's we're just going to start talking about things we like because that kind of you know it, it fits under this umbrella of the content we do but other major sites you'll see the tv coverage and it, it, it's hard not to see it and think like is this just because Game of Thrones is popular right now? Is this just because <laughs> this certain Marvel movie is popular right now? And I, I think it does have to be authentic is the most important thing. And also, like, you don't want to split your games writers in so many ways where they're jumping back and forth because newsflash games and movies are different things. Like, they, yeah. you can cover them differently. And to just assume that because you can critique or discuss games in a really smart way that you can immediately transfer over to movies almost feels unfair to people who just write about movies because it's a different set of skills so i guess yeah that's kind of what i always come back to on that and that's why when i look for coverage on a show if i finish a show and kind of want to read reviews of the season finale to see where other people were at with it i don't go to a game site i go to a tv and movie site like that's kind of where i fall on that but yeah i do understand like you said it's hard to support everyone with just games yeah and the the other great thing about the internet is that where do a lot of your clicks come from? Somebody Googling Game of Thrones episode blank recap. And, oh, hey, your game site, which happens, you know, to be pretty popular elsewhere, gets, you know, pushed up in the rankings a bit on Google, and then you get more clicks. So yeah. it's it's not a great market, great strategy because you can see where the 
where the you know the frayed edges of that strategy are, but it does work. Um, and I'm not sure how it works in regards to how an audience feels about it. I know when I'm the audience member and I go to a game site and they're talking about like TV, I'm like, this is a little weird. And I can yep. see what you're trying to do here and it's a little sketchy. But at the same time, as someone who's been on the other side too, I'm also like, they got to make money. <laughs> they got to get, yeah. this, this is just another way to get clicks. And it sort of falls within their, uh, their audience. Like their audience is still like the kind of people who will probably care about Game of Thrones if they care about games. Um, and I realize I keep saying Game of Thrones. It's just the most obvious. Well, it, it's, yeah, it's the most obvious that everyone uses. It's like that, like The Walking Dead, when The Walking Dead was as popular as it was. But it's, I, I like, yeah. like you, I get it. Like, I understand. It's, you know what's really cool? Making money. You know what's hard to do? Yeah. Make money on the internet. So, like, I totally understand. I'm sympathetic to it. Exactly. But also there's this small frustration when you see it where you're like, oh, don't do this. Like, yeah. don't do this just for the sake of clicks. Uh, yeah, like, I, I always, that's, that's one of those things, like, going back a little bit to where I have to explain to people how journalism works. I'm always being like, well, this is why you see that a lot. Because this is how money on the internet works. And the the secret is that money does not work on the internet. Yep. And we're, sites are still struggling trying to figure out the best way to make money on the internet. And it's not just in ads. So, like, yeah, clicks aren't going to be the be-all, end-all of if your site is successful, but they're certainly a really good marker of if you're doing okay. 100%. And again, like you said, a lot of people don't understand that immediately where they're like, why are there 800 different guides on how to find rare Pokemon and Pokemon Go? It's like, because everyone has that on their phone now and like it's it's such an easy SEO grab and you get it. Uh, I was like an editor-in-chief for a smaller site and you understand how traffic works and how sometimes you mm -hmm. have to do things that really aren't that quality of content. Like you don't look at it and be like, I'm really proud of this. I'm going to put this on my like resume or in my portfolio. No, yeah. but you understand how the industry works. You have to follow trends sometimes unless... You are some. You are someone on Patreon or Giant Bomb where the people are supporting you directly and like you as people or as a group instead of just you know you chasing clicks. But again, like you said, the, right now making money on the internet is so fucked up <laughs> that like it's really hard to have it exactly the way you want it. Usually, the people who are like we're gonna go out and just do content we're passionate about and you know are really into. Sadly, that doesn't always make money, and it's frustrating yeah. to watch. But it's yeah the way things currently are yeah um, there are like there are a couple of ways to make money on the internet You're, you got to be a part of a giant media organization that mm -hmm. has a ton of money you got to be owned by a crazy rich person who has a lot of money um you got to sell a lot of subscriptions or like subscription slash patreon slash kickstarter slash you know crowdfunding because that's what subscriptions are so and people are like well why do i have to pay for you know to see more than 10 articles a month it's like yeah because there, for a hundred years, people were paying so and so money a month to to you know get their news. So, gotta just gotta deal with it. That's how it's been for hundreds of years. Yeah, someone's eventually someone's gonna think of something that fixes all this. I am not smart enough to be that person. Otherwise, Me I'd be neither. doing that right now. But there has to be something. Uh, my most important question for you, as the TV expert, the first TV expert on this podcast, <laughs> uh, what TV shows am I probably not watching right now that I totally should be and I'm missing out on slash what should people who are listening to this podcast stop listening to this podcast and go watch Netflix for? Um, well, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is great. It's way better than everyone thinks it is. So I've only that. heard bad things, and then I've heard like this weird now resurgence of actually it's not that bad. So maybe that's the real answer. So here's the thing about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. First 15, 16 episodes of season one are terrible. 
once it gets into the winter the winter soldier stuff that happens it goes off onto its own thing and it's i it's you know it's not consistent but it's great yeah and this past season has been like just ages of shield killing it um so i think more people should be watching ages of shield i think more people should be watching into the badlands i think on amc um because it is a bonkers martial arts show that you are probably not watching because I'm definitely not yeah because amc i amc is all about their walking dead and their better call saul and not really about their into the badlands so i'd say those two uh also my one suggestion if if Anyone listening has not watched Rectify, which is on Netflix. It's now the entire thing is on Netflix. I think there's four seasons. One of the most like well written, like expertly shot, interesting shows that I still think about very often. Like that's yes. one of those shows. If I ever had a TV podcast, which I wouldn't, because like I don't know enough <laughs> about TV, I'd just be like, all right, here's like the five shows I really, really love, and then some other stuff I watch when I get bored. But like Rectify is right around the top of my list of like this. I still think about this on like a daily basis. It's very good. Uh, so here's the great thing about TV, and I say great in quotes, because um, <laughs> it's the same thing that's great about games is that you will never ever play all the games, and you'll never ever watch all of the TV yes. because watching TV takes forever, and so does playing games. Yeah, and also you're investing even sometimes even more time in an entire series, especially if it's like, hey. I'm going to go watch Mad Men, which is seven seasons. Like, if you yep. don't like it after a season, I think you should just give up on it. But, like, I yeah, for me, I'm one of those people who definitely looks up a lot of reviews before I get into a series. Because I'm like, I don't want to waste five seasons worth of time exactly. if it ends up being shitty in season four and, like, doesn't redeem itself by season five. That's why I'm like, all right, everyone's talking about the Americans. Let me see if it's actually, like, worth it. You read more about it. And now I love the Americans. So, yeah, like, it's... TV is an odd investment that I usually do more research maybe than normal people do. Um, yeah. What are you working on right now that you could talk about and where can people find you on Twitter? Um, let's see. I am basically on the Twin Peaks beat right now um, for obvious reasons because it's Twin Peaks. <laughs> um, but no, I, I love Twin Peaks. So I'm really happy to be on that beat and to – I got to go to the Twin Peaks premiere. Oh, like, that's awesome. When would I have ever gotten to do that? Like never. Yeah. And so I'm like, this change is not bad. But yeah, I'm writing a lot about Twin Peaks right now. Um, you can basically find all my work over at therap.com. That's uh, T-H-E-W-R-A-P.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Raptor. Basically the dinosaur without the extra C. Yeah, yours is one of those Twitter names that like every time I saw it, I was like, that seems like a weird group of words. And you're like, oh, wait, Velociraptor. Veloc yeah. Oh, yeah. It's one of those that like takes a bit. To, I think the first time in the podcast you said it out loud and like on the inside, I was like, oh, shit. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, now it's all coming together. When uh, I go to events, I'm like, oh, my name is Carly. And they're like, oh, they're like, oh, the raptor. I'm like, yes. That's that's a great nickname. You should just go by the Raptor. That might I, even be I like should. Better. It should be my brand. Yeah, it sounds like you're some sort of professional wrestler or something like that. <laughs> which maybe you should avoid it because I don't know. I am um, a tiny I'm a tiny person, so I would not be a good wrestler. <laughs> that's your that's your marquee thing. You're a tiny raptor. I think that's a really good <laughs> idea. Uh, we should talk about this off air because I don't want people to start taking these hot <laughs> ideas. Uh Carly, thank you so much for coming back on. It's super cool to see that you're like in this great full time job that you're super happy with and away from games for maybe a bit and you can yes. maybe hopefully get back to a point where you are enjoying them in a healthy non how can i make money from this way i hope so too thank you <laughs> no problem at all thank you everyone for listening hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099